Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. In Judges, the sixth chapter, there's a story of the children of Israel going back to do evil in the sight of God. And when they rebel against God, he puts them under the domination of the Midianites and they stay in bondage under those Midianites for seven years. The Bible says they were overpowered by the Midianites. And because of that, the people of Israel made themselves hideouts in mountains and caves and forts. And when Israel planted its crops, the Midianites and the Amalek and the Easterners would invade them and camp in their field and destroy their crops all the way to Gaza. They left nothing for them to live on and neither sheep, no ox, no donkey. So they were taken over and they started hiding in what? In caves. And the Bible tells us that at one point the people of Israel reduced to grinding poverty by the median. They became so impoverished and then they started to cry out to God for help. Yes, they'd put themselves in that mess. But he was their God. I don't know that you understand this. But oh yes, God, we have messed up. I have made mistakes, but you are my God. Then he turns to them after their plea to be rescued from the brutality of their oppressors. He raised one gentleman called Gideon. Now Gideon was the least likely vessel. Why? Because he came from a very, very poor background. In fact, when God tells Gideon that I'm going to use you to save the children of Israel from the hand of the Midian, Gideon said in Judges 6.15, Me, my master, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. God chose the least. But after many, many convictions and signs God reveals to Gideon, Gideon says yes to the call of God. You allow me to now go into the seventh chapter. So in the seventh chapter, Gideon has said yes to the mandate of God. The Bible says, Jerubal, Gideon, got up early the next day and the people that were with him and rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. While he's preparing himself to fight, Verses 2, the Lord says to Gideon, 
These people are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Who are they? He had 32,000 troops ready to fight. 32,000. God looks at that number and he tells them, Gideon, these people are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Because of such victory, Israel will vaunt themselves against me saying, my own hand has saved me. This is what he's saying. There are too many that if victory comes, they will say that because we were many, therefore we won. They will say, that because I had a degree, therefore I got that job. They will say, thank God I have good genes and I have a nice nose and good eyes. Otherwise, it was going to be so hard to learn such a man. Who is following what I'm saying? They would say, I thank God that I was born in a reputable family. I'm a prince of a certain kingdom, princess. Of a certain kingdom X. My mother is the prime minister of this country. They would say, Thank God I knew a white man somewhere in England. They would say, Thank God we had some sponsors from Kentucky. They would say, Thank God at that particular point I had bought a car. Because that very road I used at 8 a.m., that car would have crushed me. But I used to walk there. But thank God, at that point when the accident had happened, I had bought a car. They would say, thank God I was shorter. This thing came cutting up. By God's grace, when it sliced, I was slightly a few inches shorter than my neighbor and it took him. Thank God I had teeth. Thank God I was born from a wealthy family, a reputable family. Thank God I was a Muganda. I thank God I was a Mnyankore. I don't know who I'm talking to. I thank God that I had just finished my master's because at that particular point, the person, the candidate they were looking for was qualified in the master's I had just finished. I could say this over and over. I could go around in every state, situation, circumstance to explain how many things sometimes all the time when we carry victory with God, some things linger that sort of explain our victory beyond the hand of God to say. And by nature, like the Bible tells us, it's important for us to understand the ways of God. Because if you know his ways, you'll always see his hand. I say this again, if you know the ways of God, you will always see his hand. Many people do not know how God works. They don't know his way. It takes a certain prudence of spirit. As of whatever language is pruning you this evening. To know, to understand God's way. To interpret things the way God interprets them. To see things from his perspective. Seeing God with the right vision in the right optics. Not that people don't see God or hear God, but to hear him right or see him right. To have the right vision in beholding God. 
when I was a younger man, I learned something in photography called first perspectives. First perspectives. Some of you don't know it. Some of you know it. Some of you are going to Google it after. For example, have you seen a picture online where it looks like a big foot of a giant is stepping on a very small man? But by first perspective, there's a distance where you put this pan to look small, further, and then you get somebody closer, and then in the lens they appear bigger, they raise their foot, and then they look like they are crushing someone. That's a first perspective. We've first something to appear a certain way, not right. It's not the right stance. But because you have the art to force it. Or perhaps if I put somebody small a couple of meters away and I put my fingers next to a camera lens, it would look like I'm holding them up. It would look like they're small and I'm holding them. You understand? It's... If you take that picture and you give it to a two-year-old, they might see they are little men and big men. They are seeing exactly what you see, but you have the understanding that they don't have. Now the Lord is speaking to me and then he gives me this example that, for example, when we were younger, and then this of course, as you continue to age, sort of leaves. When we were younger, I'll remind you, you'd look in the sky and sort of interpret a figure, right? can look in the sky and it looks like there's this guy with a big beard and he's facing east and he's probably singing. Huh? When we were younger, they used to tell us that there was a woman who was holding a child one day and then they came back home late and then they got stuck in the moon. Who remembers those stories? Uh-huh. So you see a picture in the moon like a woman holding a what? A baby. Is that the reality? No. It's not the reality. But your eyes could believe it because your eyes could see it. So there are many people who see God from the power of their imagination, not necessarily from the majesty of his person. And it affects us mostly which seek, us which contemplate, because when we learn to contemplate, when we learn to seek, when we learn to meditate, it's expedient what we meditate. Is it the vision we are able to draw good grace to have, but it is wanting because sometimes we define God in the image we are able to define in our minds, not necessarily who he is. Did you get what I just said? Why is that dangerous? Because right there as you're defining things in your image, you're actually drawing patterns. So fundamentally, to question, are these patterns of God or of your imagination? And you can design a life and revelation against those patterns when they are not necessarily of God. They will not give you the results that you so require of God because every space wherewith a man is able to build that imagination and create what he is able to interpret by his own mind, therein is a pattern defined. But we don't know because we cannot explain. And you can connect part.
pattern upon pattern upon pattern upon pattern. For example, when I was young, for me, almost every guy I was able to draw in the sky always had a beard. I never drew one without a beard. So in my head, I used to think, ah, where is God looking today? I remember one time when I was little, I made up my mind and we used to live in a certain place where with you could sort of see a steep, you know, slope and hill. It's a steep slope, and a hill going up. So we used to live a little bit slightly before the end of the valley. And I remember when I used to see the horizon, I used to think that that's where the cloud ends. So one day, without consulting any of my people, I took on a journey to go to the end. Who has ever tried to take that journey once? Yeah. One day I said, let's go. I want to see where this thing ends. I just remember getting tired in my legs. I said, eh, this thing is far. I'll continue it one day when I have the time. But I never got to the end because every time I got to that end, the thing went further. The sky went further. It's my eyes. Not necessarily what really was happening. So it's important how you see God. Are you learning something? So God is telling Gideon, I look at this perspective. These people are too many for me to give you victory. I am not going to do this for you because you have a lot of guns around you. You have this victory. It will appear as though it was the number of guns that you had that gave you this victory. So you either take it my way, my strategy, or you use your guns, your strategy. Are you learning something? The Bible says in verses 3, Now therefore go proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. He said, number one, if there's anybody who is afraid, this is the time. In the 32,000 people, go. Go. And the Bible tells us, and there returns 20 and 2,000. That day, 22,000 men, the moment they were looking for those which were fretful, those which feared. He said, the fearful, go out. Out of the 32,000 people, 22,000 people left immediately. Now you understand why Jesus in his last time, he asked his disciples, are you also going to leave me? Why were the 5,000 he fed? Food for thought. Anyway. And then he remained with 10,000 people. And the Lord tells him, these are still too many. Bring them down unto the water and I will try them for thee there. This shall go with thee. The same shall go with thee. And of whosoever I shall say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. In other words, whoever I choose you go with, you go with. Whoever I choose you don't go with, you don't go with. So he brought down the people into the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone that lappeth off the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth, him thou shalt set aside. Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink, to drink, sorry, 
and the number of them that left putting their hand to their mouth were 300 men but all the rest of the people which bowed down upon their knees to drink the bible says the lord said to gideon get rid of all of those in other words there were two kinds of people some went down on the ground with their knees and started drinking directly from the water and then there are some which went down but they used their what and then they started drinking then he said there are 300 that have lapped off the water those are the ones i want you to what to keep the rest send back home praise the lord jesus christ the rest do what send back home now the 32,000 became 300. Now, you might not understand how serious this is until you skip to verses 12 to understand how many Midianites and Amalekites were because they came together in droves. And the Bible says, and the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the East lay along in the valley, the Bible says, like grasshoppers for multitude. And their camels were without number as the sun by the seaside for multitude some versions use the word locusts they were as locusts for multitudes and their camels were without number as the sand of the seashore for multitudes that means when you look at the fleet when you look at the army that these people came with when you look at the camels that were with them the camels you could not number they were like the sand on the seashore you could not count these people they were so many These were not 10,000. These were not 15,000. These were not 100,000. Those are countable. These were not half a million. These were like the sea, as the sun by the sea in multitude. That means there were very, 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 very many people. And the Lord, allow me to go back a bit. It came to pass, verses 9, that night that the Lord said unto Gideon, Get thee down to the host, for I have delivered it into your hands. And if you fear, he tells him, Go down with Fura, your servant, closer to these people, and hear what they are saying. So you are encouraged. If you are afraid, go and sneak next to these sentries of the Amalekites and the Midianites, and hear what they're saying, you'll be strengthened. So these guys go in stealthily with Fura, the slave. And when they come next to these men, when Gideon was come, verses 13, behold, a man was telling a friend a dream in the camp of the enemies. And he told him, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of the Midianites, and came unto a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay alone. In other words, he dreamt that a piece of bread came and rolled into the host of the Midianite and crushed them and broke their tent. This is a dream a man is telling another while Gideon and Fura are hearing somewhere in a second. And this fellow answered and said, This is nothing else except the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. For into his hand God has delivered Midian and all the hosts. Now, God is so merciful that he even makes 
a Midianite dream what is going to befall them. Are you following what I'm saying? Now this man was spiritual. That was the night he would have fled. Somebody shout hallelujah. Verses 15, when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof, the Bible says he worshipped. He didn't say, okay, now God, that one I understand it, but he has a gun. Many people are like that. Okay, yes, I dreamt. Okay, yes, you have showed me that this is my victory, but where will we pass? And sometimes I feel like God wants to. This is a man who knows God. The Bible says immediately he worshipped. Immediately he worshipped. He worshipped. I'm talking about that worship that comes from the confirmation of your victory before it takes place. That worship that comes before you even go for war. Before the symptoms leave your body. While you're still in your mother's house. Before you get the first job. And you start worshiping God. Because he has sent a sign for your victory. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm not talking about worship to win. I'm talking about worship because you have received a confirmation in your spirit that there is nowhere this war is going to go except to your advantage. I don't know who I'm talking to. I'm not talking about worshipping so that you receive victory. I'm talking about worshipping because you know God has sent every sign and all you can hold to is what he has showed you that many people, might, even those which are following you might not see but he has revealed it to you that you're coming out of this. And you wake up, the symptoms are still there the pain is still there. The paycheck is still the same. You're still in the same rental. You still have the same rejection letter. But there's something in there stirring you to worship God. Because you are convinced that there is no other way this is going to go. If Delilah could receive a pay before she cut off Samson's hair. Because she knew. He had told her his heart. You see, some of you must understand how life works. The Bible says she went and asked for her pay before she cut off Samson's hair because she knew he had revealed to her the secret of his heart. And because he has revealed the secret of his heart, there was no strength in the world that would deter that woman from cutting off his hair. He had broken a principle. So it is with this. That you can grow in God and get to a point where there are certain things you will see. There are certain things you will see. And God tells you, you might not see the evidence yet of this breakthrough. But C-A-C-B-C-C. And then they start seeing you dancing in the storm. And they're asking themselves, but 
There's no reason why this man should be happy. There's no reason why this woman should be happy. But you have an inward witness of an affirmed experience that this thing is not going to bury you. I don't know who I am talking to. I remember years ago I gave a story once when I was very sick and I went to the Lord I said are you taking me then he told me with long life I will satisfy you there was no evidence on my body to speak there was nothing to see to affirm how I was going to come out of it but he had spoken and I would lean on the integrity of his word that if he promised he was also faithful to what to perform this is what Gideon did we are 300 against uncountable centuries but a man dreamt Ooh, why would he mention that dream when I am in proximity he would have said that dream before I came or after. But God timed that I should hear these words. Who am I talking to? Are you listening to what I'm saying? God can send a clue. It can come through a stone. It can come. The Bible says he can ordain even stones to praise him. It can be a little statement a child will make. Then you say, aha. Uh -huh. This one just can't come by mistake. When you know God, you don't wait for so many signs. Heaven doesn't need to open. You're walking on the road and it's been 10 years without a job. And then you meet somebody on the road. They say, hey, how are you? Then you say, I'm fine. And then they make a statement like, eh, you look rich. And some of you miss it. You say, ah, no. No. And then God is like, how can you be unemployed for eight years and your countenance looks like you earn a million dollars? Except God is up to something. Why did they meet you? Perhaps you didn't even have transport to go back home. But you met a person and they said, Hey, you look rich, man. Give me some money. That is where Gideon praises from. That is where Gideon worships God from. Somebody shout amen. That's why we love the word of God. Because you can go through something. And then as you're opening the Bible. Because in that story... When I asked God, is it time for me to go? He told me, open your Bible. That's why I began from by the way. Some of you know the story. So I opened the Bible. And my eyes fall on Psalms 91. That portion of scripture. It was where my eyes first fell. With long life, I will satisfy you. That's where my eyes first fell. 91.16. With long life, I will satisfy him. And show him myself. That's where my eyes first fell. I closed the book and I told devil not now 
tell your neighbor you don't need too much clues. Even the slightest can deliver you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Imagine a man going to war with countless armies because he had a man dream right. Ye of little faith. Ha, 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 ha. Stir yourself to the faith that anything can stir you to the next level. Anything can stir you to your next profile. It doesn't need... Okay, why am I preaching this sermon today? Why is it that you have attended? Some of you must... Come on, raise your hands and worship God. There's a person on this ground. You even called somebody and tell him, please give me a lift. Don't leave me today. They almost left you, but somehow. There's somebody who walked here. They didn't have transport. There's somebody who had a deal, a business thing, and it was going to close late, but somehow God created a window for you to come and hear Gideon's testimony. How much more do you need? The Bible says he sent his word and healed them all and delivered them from their oppressions. He delivered them from their destructions. He sent a word to Jacob and it lit what? Why are you the one hearing this sermon? If you understand that, your heart would have already started singing. Somebody say, I worship you, Jesus. Why is it coming now? Perhaps there is something you are going through. That God deliberately has started to take out certain things. Maybe even the finances have gone down a bit. Not because there is a demon chasing you. Maybe the landlord even sent a message and said, your arrears are due. It's not a, no. God wants to do something that even your money won't be able. I think the one I'm talking to didn't come. God wants to do something. Why on the day when your salary is not enough anymore? Why? Why has it come on the day when you're stuck somewhere in your life? Why would it come in the time when you asked God a question last night? Nay, God, what, what's happening? It seems certain things, the things that are supposed to reconcile are disintegrating. I have prayed, I have fasted. Things are not changing. And God is saying, no, this is too many for me. It might be more for you, enough for you, but for me as God, this is too many for me to give you victory. I'm going to cut out some people. Such that... Oh, Jesus, they are no longer texting me. The friends who used to talk to me no longer talk to me. And he's saying, yes, there were too many. <laughs> there were too many. They were blocking your success. No, but
nobody has spoken to me yet. And God is saying, how many do you need to propose to you to get the right one? These are too many proposals. These are too many proposals for me to settle you. Oh yes, God can do that. He can reduce the text messages to send the right one. Eh. They can steal that phone to buy you the new one. <laughs> the debt collector can take that car to create space for your BMW. That is the God you serve. Shake somebody and tell him, don't be afraid. There is a dream coming to strengthen you. When Gideon heard, he didn't say how, where, who, how. no, he just stand and said, Creator of the universe, what can't you do? What can't you do? Jesus. Name above every other name. What can't you say? Why can't you take Jesus? Creator, creator of the universe. Why can't you? Why can't you do Jesus? Name above every other name. Why can't you change? Yeah. To change. Jesus. Hallelujah. Gideon worshipped. Not to see victory. But because he had seen victory. It was then that the understanding came to his spirit that God only needed 300 men because the strategy he wanted to use to defeat countless armies did not need more than 300. Tell your neighbor it's God's strategy, not yours. If you do it his way, tell him if you do it his way, you won't need much strength. Tell him if you do it God's way, you will not struggle. Your way, God, your way. Your way, my God. Your way, my God. Your way, my God. The Bible says he worshipped and returned into the host of Israel and told them, Arise, the Lord has delivered into your hand the host of Midian. Arise. He has delivered. We are going in something that he has already fixed. 
we are seeking a physical manifestation of what has already been fixed spiritually. Because with us it begins in the spirit. If you know you are healed, nothing can kill you physically. So you're not trying to believe God for healing. No. You're talking to the symptoms to agree that you believe you are healed. You're not believing God for wealth. You're talking to the circumstances that are speaking otherwise. That you are wealthy and you know it. You're simply claiming the right of what you already have by Christ. Somebody shout amen. amen. Verse 16. He divided the 300 men into three companies. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand. With empty pitchers and lamps with the pitchers. New Living Translation. 16. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay pot with a torch in it. These are men going against countless armies that have sword, spear, camel, horse, shield, buckler. They are going with a pot and torches within on one hand and a ram's horn in the other hand. neighbor God's way that is why they don't understand us a man has a bazooka on you and you're with a, a ram's horn <laughs> because for you it's a covenant issue a man has a sniper gun on you ready to shoot you he has put landmines around you and all you have is a clay pot with some torch light. Walking confidently. Tell your neighbor don't underestimate the power of a covenant. You remember David and Goliath? This man is all dressed up. The champion of God. And this boy just has a few smooth stones in his pocket big guy like this. A guy saying, I'll defeat you. I'll cut off your head. Now, 17, talking to a, di- to a giant, I am going to kill you. And I'm going to slice off your head. I'm going to feed you to the carcass. In fact, says, do you call me a dog? Little boy has stones throwing them. How does a man without a sword tell you I'm going to cut off your head? Tell your neighbor, covenant. No sword. But he's saying, I'm going to cut off your head. Goliath, I'm cutting off your head. No sword in the hand. I don't know whether some of you understand what I'm saying. I'm going to fire you, yet you don't have a job. This God... This God, this God. You don't have a job, you're telling a person, I'm going to fire you from your office. And you know what you're saying. Because you're not with sword and spear. You're with the spirit. You might not be the one who writes the letter that dismisses them. But you have the tongue, language and power. To fire them. 
Somebody shout hallelujah. Listen. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. The instruction came after the worship. You understand? So when you see a man who is stuck, yet God has chosen him or chosen her, but they are stuck on her. It means they've not seen the victory and neither have they worshipped for the instruction. Because it was in this worship that the instruction came to Gideon. And he said, ah, this is how God wants to do it. After the worship, that is why if you have not learned to worship God, there are things you're not going to go through. Listen. Keep your eyes on me. He says, when I come to the edge of the camp, do as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. For the Lord and for Gideon. The sword of Gideon. Why the sword of Gideon? Because in hearing, in interpretation, the man said that if this bread has rolled into the tent and the camp of the Amalekites and Midianites and kill them, surely this must be the sword of Gideon. He got the line. Because it's important the language that God will use when he's interpreting for you. You will need it when you're going for war. To repeat those words because that's the integrity of his word at work. What he has said in interpretation is what you quote on your war front. Somebody missed it. The man said, that doesn't that look like it is the sword of Gideon? And Gideon knew that was his winning phrase. He told them, once you hear us surround, and just do what we do, and the moment you see us blow our rams and horns all around the entire camp for the Lord of Gideon, do exactly what we do. So, verses 19, it was just at midnight after the changing of the guard when Gideon and a hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Remember, in the clay jars were lights. So, you have the clay jars and then you have the ram's horn, right? So, you break all of them and then you get the fire out, right? Are you following? And they blew the ram's and broke their clay jars. Then all the three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in the left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camps to fight against each other with their swords. Not somebody and tell them that is my God. Talk about preparing a sword when you don't know you're preparing it for yourself. The Bible says they started to fight against each other with their swords. And they that were not killed, that means many of them killed each other. 
men are just blowing horns, waving lights, while God is doing the rest. You're going to come out of this thing. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know who I'm talking to. But God is going to take you out of something without raising one sword. May I prophesy upon your life that you're entering a season of coming out of things effortless. And the things you thought you were to fight are going to start fighting themselves for you. You're going to see themselves beat each other to bleed when you're watching like this. Lifting your worship as a word, as a horn, and raising the light of your word. Oh, you didn't get it. Your praise and your revelation. Because the light is the word. That means as you continue speaking and worshiping your God, you're going to see things fall before you. You're going to see them attacking each other. Those cells, those cancerous cells, those, those viruses, they're going to start. There's somebody here. The viruses in your body are going to start attacking each other. Bypassing your white blood cells and attacking each other. <laughs> Ooh, no, no, no. The Bible says the men which had come then started running. They ran to Bethshita near Zerera and to the border of Abel Mehola near Tabata. And Gideon sent for warriors of Natali, Asher, and Manasseh who joined in chasing. Imagine 300 men chasing countless people. <laughs> what a picture! Somebody shout amen. amen. Shout glory to God. The Bible says they captured Oreb and Zeb and the two Midianite Karam commanders, killing Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the wine press of Zeb. And they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterward, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. The victory was won. No sweat except to chase. A man has a sword and a spear, but the man chasing him has horns and a torch. <laughs> oh! oh my God. God is amazing. That's why I said God is going to use the least likely tools to give you the grandest victory of your life. I don't know who I'm talking to. God can give you a whole nation with a pencil. By a... May God give you a nation with a pencil in your hands. That is why we are entering. Some of you are going to get jobs by your name. You're just going to enter and they'll say, who are you? And you'll say, I am Rachel. And they'll say, you're hired. 
We don't care how many people in your family don't get hired. For you, we have hired you. We were looking for a... Hey, 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 hey. Somebody shout amen. God becomes your credential this evening. He becomes your qualification. He becomes your master strategist. I don't know what is going to happen next week, but I know for sure that you are entering victories you yourself are not going to be able to explain. Put your hand on your belly and say, I'm entering a grace that I won't be able to explain. I'm entering a miracle that science won't explain. That our economy will not explain. That my color will not explain. That my family lineage will not explain. That my finances will not explain. Come on, say it with your mouth. It's important you confess these things. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Woo! Glory to God. When the son of Saul read the memoirs of God's ways, Jonathan, he did exactly the same thing one day. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 14, one time he got his armor bearer. This son of Saul, the Bible says, refused to tell his father where he was going. And he got his armor bearer, two boys on and he told him, let us go to the garrison of these uncircumcised Philistines. The Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Where did Jonathan get that from? Answer me, where did Jonathan get that from? He knew the ways of God. That's how God did whatever was necessary to give victory to his own. So Jonathan knew the principle. He knew the principle. God had walked through Gideon before. So he knew God does those things. For these Jews, they knew it. They always knew it like an old story. That actually, God doesn't need to save by men. He didn't need to save by a gun. He didn't need to save by your age. He didn't need to save by education. He didn't need to save by your network. He didn't need to, to save from the family you come from. Politically connected. Socially connected. Monarchy. No, it doesn't matter. They know it. Jonathan gets his boy and tells him, you know what? Let's go and take over the whole Philistine army. Two boys. Look at such boldness. I might not have the time to explain everything, but if you read the whole first Samuel chapter 14, all through, you see a scene where he goes with his armor bearer. He initiates an attack on the Philistine's outpost. And the Bible says, when they get into the Philistine, God caused panic and confusion in the Philistine forces and created an earthquake when these boys had just come. Somebody shout hallelujah. And 1 Samuel 14 verses 20, if you go now to the 20th verse, the message version says, Saul immediately called his army together. They went straight to the battle. When he heard that his boy and his armor bearer were missing, he knew they were down the valley. So he goes to see what's happening. The verse says, when he comes together with his army straight away to the battle, 
When they got there, they found total confusion. Philistines were swinging their swords widely, killing each other. You've come to see, my boy is in trouble. Let me go bail him out. And you come in a valley and you see your enemies killing each other. But it began by the first step. Jonathan too, when he entered the outposts, killed the first 20, threatened them. When he threatened them like this, his threat came with the earthquake. God just wanted this guy to first take that step of faith. And God is saying, you, you just enter. Just enter. I'll do the rest. Just enter the battle. I will do the rest. The Bible says there was trembling in the hosts in the field among all the people. The garrison and the spoilers, they all trembled. The earth quaked. The earth was not going to quake if that man had not taken his step to enter. The moment he entered, Jonathan told his armor bearer, God is with us. There is something he's going to do. We don't know how he's going to do it. We just need to step in. The moment they stepped into the camp, go, 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 go. panic came on them. They slayed each other. And you see God kill, men kill each other while you're just observing like this. That's why I said, I don't know for who it came to. But some of you with your eyes are going to start seeing things. Get into panic mode. And as they are panicking, they are aligning themselves for you. I said as they are panicking, they will be aligning themselves for you. Earthquakes are going to come not to break your homes. There are some earthquakes coming to confuse your enemy. Because where you are, you won't be shaking. But where they are, they will feel it. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. So can you win without fighting? Yes. You just take your step and take God's strategy. Every time you take God's strategy, you'll see that he wants to do the fight. Every time you talk God's way, never forget this, you'll always see the battle belongs to him. He doesn't want you in this. You know those things where you put this guy aside and tell him, I don't even want blood to spit on you. Then he does what he knows to do best. Can I prophesy on your lives? This is your year. This is your month. This is your week. For those with faith, this is your hour. For those with enough faith, now is your time. Let me decree upon your life and say this. That the Egyptians you've seen for long, you're going to see no more. Let me prophesy upon your life and say this. That God has prepared a victory where you'll not raise a sword. Only your horns of worship and your words of confession shall be enough to take you out. You're entering a season where God is going to cut off everything that will give excuse for your glory, your progress, and your victory. Such that they will not say, 
it was because his father was rich. It was because her mother worked in ministry of foreign affairs. It was because they came from a kingdom. It was because they were from the first family. It was because they were connected to a certain person who was in the USA. No, God is going to do something that does not connect you to any man's aid, comfort, direction, favor, advantage, or network in the mighty name of Jesus. You're entering a season where even the hardest things are going to happen in the easiest way. Even that which seems uncountable, the few you have are going to buy it. Those little coins in your pockets are going to buy kingdoms. Ah, ah. Come on, I don't know whether you understand what I just said. That $200 on your savings account, it is going to begin a multi-million dollar business. That little certificate you received is going to put you on BBC and CNN and Al Jazeera. In the mighty name of Jesus. This is a year of great resurrection. Extraordinary resurrections. The least expected things are going to resurrect before your eyes. And God said, after the war, you'll not even have one drop of sweat. I don't know who I'm talking to. Now I want you to raise your hands and receive whatever God has said this evening for you. Come on, take it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. The Bible says, believe that you have received it. Whatsoever you desire when we pray. He says, believe that you have received it and you shall have the petitions of which you ask. Receive it this evening. The anointing of God is moving. The anointing of God is moving. The anointing of God is moving. He's 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 moving. I know a God who's merciful and kind, faithful and gracious. Receive it. I'm the apple of his eyes It's the thought that fills his heart Every morning, noon and night He loved me when I didn't care I was patient till I came Running back into his arms Turns my life around, made me a shining star. His glory to be. I will worship forever. Now you know why you're worshiping because you see a victory. 
Don't look too far to see how good he is. Just look at me. He took me from the merry clay. Testify. I'm standing in his righteousness. Oh, he took away my sin and shame. A brand new day. He's been loving and he's reading. Look how he turns my life around. Me a shining light, his glory to reveal. I will forever, but because it's too I want you to give him a mighty hand of praise. Now, before we close this service, if you're there and you say, Apostle Grace, today I want to have a relationship with that God you were talking about. If you're there and you say, I want to have a relationship with that God, I'm just going to repeat this other after me, just from your heart. Say, Father God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. He died for me. He was raised for my glory. Today, I make a decision. I believe in my heart that Jesus died for my sins. And I confess with my mouth that from today, He is Lord and Savior of my life I'm born again I know you will change me transform me heal me preserve me to the earth this sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International for more information contact us on telephone number plus 256 200 499 400 or email us at info at you can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook Instagram and Twitter subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International or better still feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.